California. Um, I, I think I heard this, this three words. Does it matter? Does it matter? Would you say this with me? Does it matter? Now I think I'm going to share um, what I believe the Lord's put on my heart to share. And the question I think each of us will need to answer as we leave is, does what I'm sharing right now, does it matter? Is it significant to the move of God? Because if it isn't, you need to discard it and move on. If it does matter, we need to embrace it as a church. And we need to begin to intercede for this coming move of God that is coming. If this matters, it must be part of this next revival. I, I cannot see us having another awakening without this element. That's me personally. But the question today is, does it matter? And will it matter for us and larger? Deuteronomy chapter 18. Just reading a couple things prophetically. God is speaking there through uh, to Moses and through Moses. And... Um, the Lord says to him in uh, verse 17, uh, the people have just said, we don't want to hear from God. You listen to God and you tell him what, what he has to say. It's too scary for us. And the Lord said to Moses, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. And then Moses' words, just up in verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. You must listen to him. Sounds pretty direct sounds like a word it sounds like there will be a prophet coming who must be heard to whom we must listen Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 29 Jeremiah 31, 29 and following. In those days the people will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead everyone will die for his own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them declares the Lord. These are two kind of laser pointers prophetically to something very significant that is coming. Something that must grip our hearts and our attention. And it's why at the time of John the Baptist,
the people um, in the area around the Jordan were saying to you, are you that prophet? Because they knew this word. He said no. But he did introduce that prophet a few days later. And when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, we see very clearly this incredible encounter as Peter, in the astonishment of what's happening with the appearance of Moses and Elijah uh, along with Jesus, uh, when he sees this, he is, um, Peter, of course, never at a loss for words, it seems, uh, Peter said, hey, I think uh, I'm going to build a, a several tents here, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you, Jesus. And he is interrupted and flattened by the glory of God. And um, when Jesus touches him and says, it's okay, Peter, to get up now, um, there's, there's no one there except they have heard a word which said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Have we heard those words anywhere? I'm just curious. Uh, uh, listen to him. And when Peter is is released to get up again, and they look, they look around, Peter, James, and John look around, and there's only Jesus is left. It seems very clear that the Lord is trying to... Tra it seems to me what he's trying to say is Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. But some, someone is now here who rises above and is not to just be left on an equal plane with everybody else. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who was promised. He is the one in whose name all authority in heaven and earth has been invested. Um, so let me just leave that there. And again, the theme is, the question is, does it matter? Um, May 1st, 2002, I was recovering from a burnout breakdown. I'd been pastoring for over 30 years, full-time ministry and uh, started on the college campus, uh, Jesus Movement days, um, then on to youth pastor and associate senior pastor. And uh, the Lord had been very gracious. Uh, we, it, it had been a, an amazing, amazing run with a lot of amazing grace. And I'm very thankful for that. But I'd had a burnout breakdown at the end of 2001, and it was pretty severe. Um, in the recovery, I couldn't read, I couldn't read books, uh, watch TV, I couldn't even read my Bible. It was three months before I could read one verse a day uh, out of my Bible. And But six months in, I woke up, May 1st, 2002, I woke up that morning and I remember saying to myself, I'm ready to study the Bible. And it was so exciting. I, was, I didn't have to prepare for sermons. I, my elders were, had released me. It was under doctor's care and under prayer care and counseling care and all of the above. And resting. And, uh, but now I'm ready to study my Bible. And I sat down at my kitchen table that morning. And I said, yeah, I am ready to study the Bible. But where do you start? A typical Bible has a thousand pages in it. 
like where you know am I going to start in Isaiah or I'm going to go to Matthew or Romans or Revelation where am I going to go so uh, I'm sitting there and the Great Commission came to mind and so I punched it in on a little laptop that I hadn't touched for six months and um, Matthew chapter 28 18 19 20 we all know it all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all whatever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, the very end of the age. Uh, I was just in, instantly flooded with memories. That had been my life. And, uh, but something absolutely gripped my attention that morning. Um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, in this disciple-making process, that I was familiar with. I'd baptized hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, and it was... Uh, a great joy. I, I love that. But now I'm hearing, um, I'm seeing something else and teaching them to obey the whole of that which I've commanded you. And instantly I thought, what all did Jesus command us? That is going to be my study. And I punched in the words entele and entelemy in the Greek language in that little computer, pressed enter, and 80 some times that, that those words are found in the New Testament popped up on the screen. I printed out the list and started going through it, but what stunned me was right at the top of the list was John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you. <laughs> I thought immediately as I'm sitting there, I thought, well, there's one right off. <laughs> A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13, 34, and 35. And I thought, hey, I'm on to something here. We're, we're underway. Interesting, as I went through um, the next few hours sorting through that, um, I'm stunned by a couple of things. First of all, that I had missed this commandment. Oh, please understand me. I had read it many times. Understand also, I had preached on it. Understand that I had done a year-long series through the whole New Testament preaching on loving one another, love in the New Testament. But somehow, I am stunned by the fact that I have missed this commandment. Oh, well, I've missed the fact that Jesus in this final evening with his disciples has introduced a new covenant in his blood his broken body and his shed blood he's introduced the promised new covenant that was spoken of by Jeremiah through Jeremiah and when he introduces the new covenant the same night he gives us a new commandment just say this with me new covenant new commandment say it together new covenant new commandment how many of you think they maybe should have been joined inextricably throughout Christian history I mean Mount Sinai we would never think of the covenant God made through Moses with Israel without the commandments would we right wouldn't have been the same neither would it be the same it would seem if the new covenant Jesus introduced was stripped away from the new commandment. 
that he had given. Love one another. Your mark of authenticity. Love each other. Oh, and Jesus goes down. Um, uh, the next thing that I saw was, uh, as uh, popped up on this little list, is in 1512, Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other. <laughs> as I have loved you. Oh, and then he repeats it again in John 15, 17. This is my command. Love each other. Okay. Well, what stunned me is that I had missed it. And I'm going, I think I'm the only one that has missed this. All of my friends know this except me. And it was too obvious for them to come up to me and tap me on the shoulder and go, incidentally, Gaylord, you know what Jesus' commandment is, don't you? I did know what Jesus' commandment was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbors yourself. I was very familiar with that because that had been my ongoing definition as a pastor for what Christianity was. I said it often. But now I'm hugely conflicted. I'm going like, wait a minute. I thought I knew what Jesus' commandment is, but now I'm seeing in very plain language Jesus introducing a new commandment and calling it his own, my commandment, very clearly. And I entered into what ended up being a seven-month wrestling match. Jesus, how could you do that? How could you in your commandment, leave out what I thought was the most important thing of all. And that was loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind. And I entered into a wrestling match that was too deep to even put into words. Uh, I, um, the Lord resolved it seven months in, in a very sovereign way. I woke up one morning to a, the very strong sense of the presence of God. And God was speaking to me. And the first thing I heard, either it's what woke me up, or it's what I, the first thing I heard after I woke up was this. You can ask a question. <laughs> and uh, I, I went, I surrender, Lord. You know what the question is. I can't figure this out. And uh, that day, in the next, I would estimate 15 minutes, though it's hard to put a clock on how those things happen. Uh, the Lord downloaded um, just a whole series of things which, which resolved it for me. I, um, I thought I was the only one that missed it. Before I got up from the table about five that afternoon, I had done enough research to realize that I was not the only one that had missed Jesus' commandment. Um, I had looked through by that time, I'd then in Burkhardt's Encyclopedia of Early Church Beliefs, um, he, went, he takes the 10,000 pages of writings of the Early Church Fathers and he breaks them down into a little over 700 topics. And if you want to know anything about what the Early Church Fathers, those who lived right after the Apostles from about the year 125 to 325, Anything they said in those 10,000 pages, he had categorized it under one of 700 topics. When I opened up his encyclopedia, expecting to find a treasure trove of things about this precious commandment I had just seen, that I had missed, 
I found absolutely not one reference in 700 major topics to the command to love one another. That became a clue to me that I was not the only one that missed it. Five years of research, traveling across our nation, wherever I went, seminary libraries and in my speaking and other things uh, and travels, I pursued the question, what happened to Jesus' commandment? And I'm going to tell you today, I believe part of this move of God that's happening right now and a very strategic piece of it from my perspective is the recovery of this commandment which was lost very early in church history. Not out of our Bibles, but out of our teaching. There was never, I've not, there's many creeds, which of course, in the, before the written scriptures, creeds help people remember correct doctrine. None of the creeds that I have found make any mention of loving one another. Ouch. That's why I love the creeds. None of the historic confessions of faith that I've found. <laughs> what was that? So that's why I love the creeds. Little inside joke. Yeah. Okay. Little joke. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I I knew it was something significant. I just couldn't. I, I missed it. I was turning this direction right now. Yeah. Very significant. Um, yeah. And and. Um, it is if you got underneath. If you get it. And the historic confessions of faith make mo- no mention of this command to love one another. Uh, it was not recovered in the Reformation of the 1500s. It is still, at the moment we are here today, it's absent from the statements of faith and practice from, I estimate, 95% of the Western churches. They make no mention of Jesus' commandment. And in some of those denominations that do, in fact, make reference to it, when I pointed out to pastors who are part of those denominations, they're shocked. They said, I never saw that before. I think it has been a diabolical, demonic scheme to strip the church of who we are at the core. Sons and daughters of the Almighty God who know Him as Father and have received His love, demonstrated by His Son and now imparted to us by the Holy Spirit and the mark of authenticity has tragically been missing for about 1800 years. Rather, we have divided the body again and again and again over disputable matters. But the main reason we could do that is because the commandment had been taken off the table. Because when the command is on the table, it immediately rules out so much of the destructive behavior that has divided the church and kept us from the John 17 unity. Love one another. I'm going to be leaving you guys. Where I'm going, you can't go. His next words. I'm giving you a new commandment. You You have the new covenant in my blood. Now a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. By this all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The next words recorded in scripture are Peter again. (laughs) Where are you going, Lord? (laughs) 
How many of you just saw it? Did you just get it? Yep. Where are you going, Lord? That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. I missed it. I missed it. In spite of the fact that he repeated Now, we know from Peter's writings 30 years later, he did get it. We know that very clearly in his letters. He says, Because you've been born again, love one another fervently from the heart. <laughs> he was very clear. He got it. But it just took a while. For us as a church, I believe we are in a process of recovering that commandment. And it's absolutely strategic to the answer of the prayer that Jesus prayed and that he is going to get. That we indeed know the love of heaven and we have received it. May I just share with you, and we're just going to... I'm, I'm not going to be long here. We're just going to take a few minutes. But my theme is this. Does it matter? Let me tell you the difference between um, my definition of Christianity, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself, which is certainly true and important. But let me share with you a strategic difference between that and the command that Jesus gave us. Number one, Jesus did say those words. They're recorded in both Matthew and Mark. But I think many times we can miss the context of it because we've heard it so many times and it's been written so many times. The context Jesus spoke those words were not his final evening with his disciples. They were a day that the Pharisees and Sadducees were taking turns trying to trick Jesus in his words. They'd ask a question about money and how to, whether it's legal to pay taxes. That was the Pharisees. The Sadducees stepped up and they had a question about um, what happened to a woman who had had seven brothers in the resurrection. Uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Then another Pharisee stepped up. He was an expert in the law of Moses. And he said, I have one for you. What's the greatest commandment in the law? Would, would you just say three words with me right now? In the law. The reason I'm going to ask you to say that is because I don't know if I've ever heard in a Christian context that included when that statement is made. It was a question by an expert in the law about the law. And Jesus answered, who was born under the law and living under the law at the moment, answered the question accurately and powerfully and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Leviticus 19, 18. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law and prophets. He came to fulfill them. To fill them up and overflow them and actually take us to a higher level of rightness that would be imputed by him and then empowered by grace to come out and live through us. It was an amazing shift, but I want to show you what I think that the key difference in this shift is. Um, 
how do I illustrate? Well, I'm going to illustrate it like this. I'm going to have you do a little exercise. Just take your fist and put it right here in your chest this year. And we're going to do something. We're going to repeat uh, those words from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And each time you say the word you, your, or yourself, tap yourself on the chest, okay? We're going to start with you shall love. All right, you ready? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who's in the middle of that? <laughs> all that the Lord has said, we will do. That was an appropriate response from the people of Israel as they stood at the base of a trembling mountain. It's us. The focus is this. Me loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. And me loving my neighbor as I love myself. Jesus said in this new commandment, Love one another as I have loved you. The difference in the shift is not that we don't love God or love our neighbor, but the shift is the critical direction in which we focus. The old covenant focused primarily on my finite ability to love God and others. The new covenant focuses on God's infinite ability to love me and through me to love others. <laughs> Starting with my brothers and sisters, my neighbors in the Western sense, and even my enemies. As he yes. said in the Sermon on the Mount. So there is a significant shift in direction. One of them flows from me out this way. The other one flows from heaven. And it fills me and begins to empower me to do something I could never have done before. Mm -hmm. That is the new covenant's power released by the Holy Spirit. It's why Paul says in Romans 5.5, 5, God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. Mm -hmm. You see the direction? It's heaven pouring that love in. That's why it says in 1 John 4, 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice to our sins. It's, it's not a change in God. It's not an abolishing of the law. It's taking it to a whole new level by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit that he has poured into us. So my question is, does it matter? Does it matter that Jesus gave us a new commandment? Is that significant for us? And are we willing to embrace that? This does not mean we love God less or love our neighbor less. I think we love him more. But now we begin to understand that in this new covenant, God has chosen to make his home in his people where he now lives. If you ask the child, where does, where does Jesus live? The child would say, he lives in my heart. And we would have the tendency as adults to say, oh, that is so sweet. Someday you'll grow out of that. 
Lord help us. Because I was stunned when God began seven months in to resolve this issue for me. He said, if you want to love me, you need to know that I'm living inside that beautiful lady sitting at the kitchen table just waking up. That's good. That's good. And what you do for her, you do for me. Yeah, so good. You get to love me so much every day. If you will recognize that I now, in this miracle of the new birth, I now live inside of my people and your love for one another. When you give that hug, I can't help but feel the squeeze. Amen. Amen. So we're not missing love for God. Yeah. He's getting loved over there. Yeah, come on. Hey. Um, yeah. Now this is um, this is a little dangerous crowd to speak to, Jonathan. You need to know when you're asking people to come in here. You need to be careful. You need to warn them a little bit. So I'm telling you, I, I think for us to begin to receive the love of heaven, and I'm I'm uh, I uh, I am experiencing. Uh, unbelievable things that are happening in terms of finding uh, the world is so hungry for the love of God oh my goodness I mean I any of you know in the USA the ACLU uh, I was just we're working through some hard stuff in our city and I was with I just met the ACLU Civil Liberties Union uh, uh, local leader and um, I, I needed to ask him a question, but he hadn't returned a phone call to me. We sat through a three-hour meeting together, but hadn't gotten to talk. And I just needed to hear his perspective. And I saw him walking down the street one day after that. I'd never seen him before other than the meeting we'd be in, but I recognized him. He's a very big, burly man with a big, burly a, a beard and a big, uh, big hat you know, on. And uh, I parked my car and walked back around the corner and met him. And... Uh, Said, oh, good to see you, and uh, started walking with him. You know, the amazing thing is uh, I get to walk two blocks with him. I got to question my answer to the question I had. But when it got to the end and I said, I'm going to turn right here. I'm going to walk up this street. It's good to be with you. The man stood there, and he wanted a hug from me. It's like, how does that happen to somebody you don't know who typically is on the other side of issues after two blocks of walking together? What, ha what is that? I'm going to tell you, I think, I mean, I could go on and on. I think the world is desperate for what the church has, but we need to live the reality out first. Come on. And let it become authentic and let it become a river that flows out of us to people everywhere. This is a miracle. Uh, there's, there's, I, I think maybe I need to just say one more thing in kind of in this doesn't matter um, I'm, I work with pastors to bring pastors together and one of that part of that journey led me to the Greek Orthodox Church in our city and, uh, and in a discussion I was having with the uh, priest he 
he was, I asked what he did and how life is going for him. We just met and he uh, asked me uh, the same question then. And in the process of me sharing that, the thing Jesus' commandment came up. And he went, Jesus' commandment. Which, which commandment? Um, um, and um, I said, well, the one Jesus owned as my commandment. Um, the one he gave with the new covenant uh, and he stunned and I explained it he said oh and there was this moment of clarity came over his face and went oh my goodness and then about three minutes later it just like closed in again on him and it's just it's like so what I didn't know is he went back and contacted his professor from the seminary that he had graduated from and he said, wait a minute, what is this deal about love and Jesus' commandment? So his professor sent him a bit book that he had written. It was about the life of their love guy, St. Silouan. St. Silouan was an Antonite uh, priest. He lived from 1866 to 1838. He's known as the love guy for the Greek Orthodox Church. Hmm. And so, uh, just so happened that his professor had released a book about his life. The professor's name is Henry Basalis. And I want to just quote a little bit from what he says in there. St. Silouan writes how keeping the commandment to truly love God with all, and he italicizes the word all, this is St. Silouan, all one's heart and all one's soul and all one's mind is in fact impossible. He himself explicitly states his own failure to do so. Quote, Sullivan says, Woe is me. I write of the love of God, yet I love God so feebly. Wherefore, I am exceeding sorrowful. Okay. Now, I want to just remember that and what the outcome of that is. St. Sullivan as an Antonite, had left everything, including the possibility of family and all of the above, to devote himself fully to God and to fulfilling this commandment. But he is left with a sense of failure every day and lives in a state of sorrow. I want to now give you the words of Jesus. John 15, 9 and following. As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now make my love your home. Yeah. If you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home. Yes. Just as I've guarded my Father's commands and I've made His love my home. I'm telling you this so my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. This is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. So my question is, does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter whether we embrace Jesus' commandment or is it just really kind of a peripheral issue? Um, I, I would encourage each of you to answer that question for yourself today on a definitive basis. And if you can't do it here, I mean, just make it a point and say, Jesus, is it really significant that your commandment is embraced by your church? 
or is it okay just that we allow other things to displace it as I did in my life for so many years, okay? So let's just um, um, pray and, um, and just uh, welcome the Holy Spirit. I think the greatest thing is just the, to stand together. You've been sitting just to stand. So, Holy Spirit, <laughs> come Lord. Encourage you just to put up the funnel right here. Just uh, put it up. Say, Holy Spirit, come, Lord, more, 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 more. Fill, 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 fill from the springs of living water on the inside. Would you fill us to overflowing? And Lord, I pray that the, literally the well of water that springs up into eternal life would become so large, so full, so powerful, it will become, in fact, a river of living water that flows out of us. Lord, what we have received from heaven, let it flow out mightily, powerfully, to touch the lives of people wherever we are and wherever we go, in every ministry opportunity, and there are many. Father, I pray, from my perspective, as I'm persuaded of your word, that your love will mark your church and that the love of God will flow out of us like a river, even to our enemies. In Jesus' name, thank Father. You, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to put the, your hand on the shoulder just next to you and bless him. Say, Lord, let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Mighty, mighty, mighty. Let it become a river, Lord, in Jesus' name. May many drink and be satisfied and come to know the one who has given us life through his great sacrifice. Oh, Father, thank you. More, more, more. Bless them, Lord. Pour out. Holy Spirit, pour out on the inside. Wow. In Jesus' name. I, I, I want to encourage you. Just put your, let's put our hands just on our stomach, just right here, our innermost being, kind of. I believe in this revival, there is going to, we're, we're going to carry this revival. It's a resident spring, okay? In the name of Jesus, out of our innermost being, let rivers of living water flow. A resident, life-giving Holy Spirit on the inside, flowing out in the name of Jesus. Wherever we go, wherever we go, wherever we awake in the morning, in Jesus' name, let it come. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for it. Let it flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Amen. Um, I'm just going to pray one more thing. Gaylord, um, I, I do want to encourage you to read the book um, because I think it just um, puts it in context. And I know for me it was kind of, it, you kind of enter into Gaylord's wrestling match as he described here. But what he does in the book is he gives a summary of the new covenant that is, is, is brilliant. It's kind of like answering the question like, okay, if this was the summary of the law, is there a summary of the new covenant? 
And another component, along with love, turns out to be faith. Yes. Yes. And so I, I think, you know, we're here, it's the 500th anniversary year of the Reformation. Right? So one of the major doctrines that was recovered in the Reformation, um, I, I believe, was that salvation comes through faith. Yes. Right? Yes. By grace through faith. Yes, it does. And... Um, but as Gaylord's mentioned, there was that while that came, there was not necessarily this recovery of of the love. And so I just want to pray into that in, in this that in this 500th anniversary that we'd see that happen. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, and we we just join in prayer, Lord, that we thank you for uh, the revelation that salvation comes by grace through faith. Yes, yes, yes. But Lord, we just pray that we know that nothing else matters. To you, except for faith working through love. Nothing else matters, Scripture says, except faith working through love. And so we pray, Lord, for a reformation of love. Lord, Lord that we would love one another as your church. Lord. That you would bring about a reformation, Lord, that flows out of this place of, of faith filled love flowing from one to another within your body. That we love one another. As you have loved us, Father. Pray for your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, we're gonna. Are we okay to to take a break, or do we need to keep going? I don't know. We're gonna take a break. <laughs> um, if I can get you to come back here. Um, be here by 11.15. I know we've been soft on start times, um, but we're, this is going to be just so we can, because we've got the tour at 1, yeah, some people, we're going to have a hard start at 11.15, and we're just going to have worship start at 11.10, so when you hear the music, please come, um, and, uh, and we're going to start at 11.15 sharp. All right, thank you.